Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who might be Jawan Howard's biggest fan, Brandon Siegel. How you doing? You know, I this is another one of those intros that I just absolutely love, Trevor. You killed this intro. Jawan Howard has done such an amazing job in Michigan. Such an amazing job over the past two years. You know, this year's team is obviously special, but we it really wasn't looking like that at the beginning of the year. Jawan Howard really put this team right in the spot they needed to be in to, you know, do, you know, to succeed. They're the number one seed. They're still in the tournament. Sweet 16 appearance. Moving along. Hopefully they can keep on winning some games. Uh, another person who I know just is just in love with Jawan Howard is, of course, the third member of this podcast. Uh, everyone's favorite contributor, Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you today? You know, it, it's no secret. I'm Team Trevor. I've always been Team Trevor on this podcast. I will always be Team Trevor on this podcast. But Trevor, that, that is probably my least favorite intro you've ever done. Ooh, um, because I mean, happens. I just I don't want to hear Brandon talking about Jawan Howard 15 seconds into the podcast. Okay, I, I would have liked to have wait at least you know 10 minutes maybe before we started talking about Jawan Howard um, because I'm just sick of it. I'm, he's a good coach. I get it, and I I have, I have no reason to hate Michigan. Um, I I really like it. they're fun to watch. I don't mind it. I'm just tired of hearing about Jawan Howard. And I, I'm not hating on him. Um, I I completely understand the love that he's getting. He's a phenomenal recruiter and a phenomenal coach. But I'm just tired of hearing about him. He's been on my TV a lot recently. I'm tired of hearing Brandon talking about him. So, Trevor, I'm a little upset that you set up Brandon so quickly into this podcast for that because now I just feel like I'm going to be in a bad mood the rest of this podcast. But I will do my best to move forward in a professional manner. I'll get you out of a bad mood, Ben. I'll I'll make it happen one way or another. You know, and I I think just here's the thing, Ben. You got to just love Jawan Howard. You got to just embrace it at this point in time. Um, But obviously this episode's coming out at a little bit of a weird time. We wanted... All the games of the first weekend of March Madness to finish before we, you know, fully dived into an episode. So, obviously, Wednesday at noon, I think, is when this comes out. So, it's obviously a weird time. This coming Sunday, it'll be back out at the normal time. Uh, We'll talk about as much as we can in terms of game. But this is going to be a very heavily focused episode on March Madness. It's kind of like more of like a little update episode. It probably won't be as long. At least I don't think it'll be as long. We'll see. see. Trevor, you probably think it'll be just as long, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll get right into it. We're going to start off with a little bit of NFL free agency because we had a lot going on, a ton going on, and I have a lot of thoughts. But before I get to my thoughts, I want to ask you guys a couple things. Trevor, New England obviously went a little bit nuts. You know, we, we know they spent a lot of money. What are your thoughts on some of their pickups? Yeah, so it's def- first of all, it's very uncharacteristic of the Patriots organization, of uh, Bill Belichick, at least the Patriots organization that I am accustomed to because I'm very young, I'm 22 years old, so... Um, all I really know is is winning, um, right? That's that you know that's just kind of how it is. So w- the biggest with the Patriots, we're known for being an organization who doesn't spend a lot of money. We try to um, make these like one year signings um, that we've done with uh, so many different players. Uh, Darrell Revis, you know, we made the signing with him, and he was only here for a short amount of time. So many other great players that we make these short signings, and then. Um, you know, that's kind of the end of it. We don't extend people for super long with uh, high amounts of money, but we, we did a little bit of that, I mean, this this offseason. And I think it's it makes sense in the uh, sense that we were bad for the first time in a while. Um, you know, definitely not a very good team. I think, honestly, our, our record uh, of 7-9 outperformed how good the Patriots actually were. Um, I think they ended up being worse than what the record showed. So they definitely – the thing is, with Bill Belichick, with the Patriots organization, I don't think they ever were going were gonna to want to do a rebuild or, or want to try to uh, go for one of the top draft picks. 
So this is their kind of play. This is their effort to, to stay relevant, to stay in the mix, to get back to the playoffs next year. And, I mean, there's definitely some interesting moves. Am I sold on a lot of them? Not really. I am happy that we got Kyle Van Noy back, one of my favorite Patriots, uh, inside linebacker who was here for a few of the Super Bowls. You know, we have, uh, obviously, David Andrews, Marcus Cannon. Uh, we, we traded him to Houston for a late-round uh, pick swap. We got uh, Nelson Aguilar, who, you know, as Brandon kind of told me, he doesn't think is very good, which I, I don't watch a lot of Eagles football, so I, I guess I don't know as well as uh, – Brandon, on the surface, it seemed like not a bad one, but I don't know. Obviously, we re-signed Cam Newton, which I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, I think if you're going to kind of try to have a, a positive in this is that Cam didn't have a lot of weapons last year, so re-signing them is kind of finally giving him uh, a, a better chance with at least a few more weapons. They got Hunter Henry, a very solid tight end. So I think the Patriots will be better simply because, uh, you know, Cam Newton's going to have better weapons. And also, um, I think some of the defensive players will be healthier. Obviously, you know, had some of the players opt out on the defense, the Patriots defense, which was, you know, one of the top three to five defenses uh, before Tom Brady left. And then we saw it still was like at least a decent defense, but it definitely fell off a little bit. So I think the defense will uh, kind of return to being one of the top five. It's just kind of a question about how the offense will be now that Cam has at least um, a few more weapons. Still not a great um, system around him necessarily um, as far as the weapons, but at least a better one. So I think they'll have a chance at the playoffs, um, but, but we'll have to see if they actually are able to make it. You know, here's what I would say about New England's spending spree. I would imagine it like myself if I was seven years old and I went into a candy store with $20. That's how I picture this can this 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 spending spree. And what I mean by that is they just bought the first things they could possibly find in the store and they're going to swallow them and they're going to get really, really fat on the candy. Obviously, I went a little bit too much into that analogy, but I can break it down a little more. A lot of the signings they had, I just don't like that much, but I think we're like, you know, kind of hot, hot items, hot, you know, players to get at this time. You know, you look at, like, Matt Judon from the Ravens, who, you know, has been good, but he doesn't get a lot of sacks. His, his production's questionable in, in, you know, the stat sheet. I, I don't personally love Judon. Um, and then, obviously, players like Nelson Aguilar. I, I sent the guys before this podcast started the, the clip of the, the guy who caught the babies in the Philly fire where he said he's not like Aguilar. Aguilar drops the ball a lot. Uh, he's not, not the receiver that I would want on my team. And then spending uh, $25 million a year, average per year, on two tight ends is also a decision I think I would definitely not do. It just seems like you'd spend that money in a lot of other places, specifically maybe a quarterback that can actually play, as Cam Newton did not do well last year at all. He was my fantasy quarterback at the start of the year, and I did not like him towards the end at all. So I think New England had some signings that were good. They kept guys that were important. I like Van Noy, I like Andrews on the line. Um... But I think they spent a lot of money in places they didn't necessarily need to in a year. That was probably the best time to do it because they, they did probably get them on slightly lesser deals than they could have gotten in a normal year that isn't, you know, the the salary cap is lessened because of COVID. Um, but a lot of interesting signings there. Uh, before I really, really get into this, Ben, anything you want to add on free agency before I take a couple players that I really, really liked in terms of their signings? Yeah, so there's only a couple things I want to mention. First of all, I hope you guys know, like, Tom Brady's not on the Patriots anymore, so we don't have to talk about them. Like, it's cool. Like, nobody actually cares. We don't have to talk about the Patriots ever again. 
Um, so I, the fact that we just spent five minutes on the Patriots is kind of embarrassing because I, if, if we're being honest, come on now, Trevor. Nobody actually cares about the Patriots anymore. Come on. Well, you can stop pretending. I've never cared about them. You can them. stop pretending, Trevor. i never cared. All right. No, nobody cares about the Patriots anymore, all right? We well, don't talk I, about them anymore. I certainly care about them, but I mean, I, I understand if you have that perspective, Ben. I <laughs> certainly okay, care Trevor. about them. You, you, can, you can continue to lie to yourself, but we all know that oh, the Patriots are relevant now. It's okay. Um, no, I mean, and again, like, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm, I'm all about honesty here on the uh, Small Baller podcast. I, I'm not keeping up with free agency. Like, there's basketball on right now. I'm not keeping up with, with uh, NFL free agency. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting notified when the Bengals get players, but most of the time I haven't heard of them because they're the Bengals. They're not going to spend money on big uh, free agents. I will say a couple things I'd like to point out. One, I'm happy uh, Dak Prescott got a deal, and the only reason why is because I'm tired of hearing about if he, if he was going to get a deal or what the deal is going to be. So I'm glad that he signed. I don't have to hear about that from the Cowboys ever again, or at least not for a while. Um, and then, I mean, obviously the biggest free agent signing is Andy Dalton to the Bears. Come on now. The greatest quarterback yeah. of all time. My former uh, quarterback in Cincinnati, Andy Dalton. Good for the Bears. Um, obviously I'm joking a little bit because Bears fans aren't too happy about Andy Dalton. But I'd like to point out that, you know, maybe about a year ago when he signed with the Cowboys, I went on, you know, maybe like a little five-minute rant. I had some stats about – why Andy Dalton's not a terrible quarterback, okay? Again, he's not a franchise quarter, quarterback by any means. Um, and obviously the Bears Bears fans are upset because they felt like they could have gotten somebody a lot better, which I understand. But I'm going to say this to any Bears fans that are listening, which I'm sure there are millions out there listening to this right now. Um, it could be worse, okay? <laughs> it could be worse if you're a Bears fan. Andy Dalton is not, you know, the worst quarterback in the NFL. He will do some good things. He'll do some bad things. It's okay. It could be a lot worse. Um, so, I mean, really, that, that's all I got to say. Kenny Galladay to the Giants makes me a little upset because uh, word on the street is that Joe Burrow recruited him pretty hard to come to Cincinnati. I guess he wanted to play with Daniel Jones, who is a garbage quarterback. So, um, other than that, I don't have a whole lot to say. The Bengals re-signed their punter, the greatest punter of all time, Kevin Huber, so that's good news. Um, but, yeah, and again, I don't know a whole lot about free agency. Now's not the time. I'm more interested in college basketball, so that's really all I have to say. Ben, I, I will say this regarding uh, the Bears thing with Andy Dalton. I will tell you, I, I'm, I'm obviously now living yeah. in the Chicago area. Yeah, you're locked there, in, Trevor. There are you're on the ground. <laughs> definitely a few Bears fans that were not happy at all, uh, to say I the least. Uh, the moment it. we found out in the office that Andy Dalton uh, was going to the Chicago. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yeah, Trevor, and Trevor, here's the thing. Now that you're in Chicago, you can be like our uh, our Chicago like correspondent. You can give us the news. You're you got boots on the ground in Chicago. So uh, anytime there's anything about in Chicago big sporting news, you got to be the one to tell us because mm-hmm. I want to hear reactions from, from some of your coworkers who are uh, true diehard Chicago fans. Because obviously not, none of the three of us are diehard Chicago fans. So you have an interesting insight being uh, in a different, I guess I could say, somewhat region of the country than Brandon and I are. Yeah, I mean, the only sports figures that matter right now in Chicago are uh, Zach Levine and Sister Jean. I'll say that. <laughs> All right, I like it. I like those <laughs> hey, two. Okay. That rhymed, too. I like that, Trevor. Trevor That's that, a bar. Might, that might have been one of the best quotes we've ever had on this podcast. That was I like phenomenal. That. Yeah. But that was great. Um, but to, to end the segment, I'm going to go over. I have four signings that I have on the top of the dome right here that I absolutely loved. I, I give them all those teams props. And, gentlemen, three of them are AFC North teams, actually. Okay. Uh, Better not let's, be the Steelers. Let's kind of run through it. And one of them is the Steelers. Uh, I, let's run through it here. That first, and this is my favorite signing of the whole offseason, is actually to the Steelers. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, took significantly less money. The Ravens offered him like $5 million more million. He took $8 million to continue to play in uh, Pittsburgh. I want to point out, we have a gentleman named Nelson Aguilar, Nelson Aguilar who sucks. He's terrible. Two-year deal, $22 million, $11 million per year to the New England Patriots. Um, so obviously I understand that Juju took less money. He is not worth, or he is worth way more than $8 million per year. 
Um, but significantly better deal than the Nelson Aguilar two years, $22 million. I think like 16 or $17 million of that's guaranteed, too. It's just a terrible deal. Sorry, Trevor, that deal is awful. Just, um, yeah. Next, I, I got to go. Can I do a quick counterpoint no, real quick? Ahead. A quick counterpoint is that I don't think. You can try. I don't think, yeah, you can I don't try. think Nelson Aguilar, uh, you know, is doing TikTok videos on the opposing team's, uh, you know, mid midfield on their logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't oh, think he's doing that. He learned his lesson, though. Don't worry. He learned his lesson real quick. Hey, for $8 million, for eight million and his blocking ability and you know the tough catches he makes, he can make all the TikToks he oh, wants. No. But the next signing and it's a team I I told myself I was never gonna talk about oh, again. No. I was just gonna take them out of my out of my head. But they had one of the best signings for uh, agency. I have to mention them. Is the Cleveland Browns John Johnson one of the best safeties in the league? A, a position of major need. Uh, eleven point two five million dollars a year. Average for three years. He was ranked like the third best safety last year. He plays free safety and strong safety. He's right in his prime at 26 years old. They're going to get him in a beautiful time. And on top of that, only 24 million of that is is guaranteed. I think most of it is in the first year. It's like it's like it's like 10 or 11. And then on top of that, his first year cap is just over five million. It's not even that much. I don't want to point out Nelson Aguilar's cap is seven million. <laughs> I'm just going to compare every one of these deals to Nelson Aguilar. Just to try to rest here and we talk more about Nelson Aguilar. But my point is, is they got a really, really good safety in John Johnson. One of the best, in fact, that where he can play in multiple positions. Safety, free safety, and strong safety. Um, at a really good contract at a young age. He's got to be one of my you know top hits in terms of contracts. Uh, number three, I'm going to leave the AFC North before coming back to it. Um, I got to say Will Fuller. I understand the objective. It's a one-year 10 million, 10.6 million dollar deal he doesn't play two games so i think it's going to be 10 million dollars flat for those 14 games will fuller is was elite this past season i mean he was a great great receiver he's 27 he's going to get a long-term deal next year probably without miami i'd imagine i mean unless he like really really works out um then but i think you know miami's basically loaning him out for a year you know taking him for a year and he he has great talent to help uh Tua Tagovailoa a ton. So I got to give one of those spots to Will Fuller. And then finally, I I have to compliment the Ravens on something, which I want to point out. I don't think they've ever had a bad free agency ever. I just don't think Ozzie Newsome um, was able to, or was ever able to have a bad season. Now Eric DePodesta have a bad season. Just not possible. It's just not possible. Kevin Zeitler, 31 year old guard. Uh, It's a three year deal, 22.5 million, only 4 mil against the cap this year, 7.5 average per year. I just like Kevin Zeitler. It's a guard is a position the Ravens really, really, really need to hit on. Something they haven't been able to really fully um, kind of transition over from Marshall Yonder retiring a couple of years ago. So it's important to get a really solid player who barely, I think he's only missed one game in his whole entire career uh, after tons of injuries at guard and offensive line collective the whole year. I mean, so many guys hurt and out of position. This was a really, really important one to wrap up. So those are my top four free agents. There was a lot of other good ones. Nelson Aguilar would not be one of them. He would be ranked dead last. Hold on, Brandon. Let me say something real quick. Let me interrupt you. I'm not. I'm not too happy with you right now. Okay. Not only did you compliment the Steelers and the Browns, which uh, we I thought we you know had a mutual agreement here that we would never do that. Um. So that's the first strike. Then you go on to compliment three fourths of the AFC North and leave out my Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not gonna lie. This is this is probably one of my least favorite segments that you've ever had on this podcast. Um, I'm not. I'm not a big fan with you right now. I'm a little upset, but that's okay. You know. You know, Ben. That that's okay with me because you're my least favorite contributor. But we're gonna continue <laughs> to right. move on because we have a lot to go on. Obviously, I'm kidding, guys. Ben's a great contributor. Um, but we're gonna move on, Trevor. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, we had a little tournament start this weekend, right? Yeah. Have you heard the buzz about it? Yeah, I, I have heard. Uh, yeah. I have heard. 
it's it's pretty big. You know, it's called March Madness, and I know you've watched probably one or two games at the least, and you're going to have a lot of comments. So I'm just going to hand this off to you, Trevor. You bring Ben and I in whenever you'd like. But talk about what you've seen this weekend from teams. We had an enormous amount of upsets everywhere. And obviously we'll get into the Small Ballers Challenge, our bracket tournament that we held. We'll go over some people's scores. Uh, some are better than others. I would say everyone is better than me in that bracket pretty much. Um, but we'll, we'll get into it. So, Trevor, let's break down some of these games. Well, what have you seen so far in this tournament? Absolutely. So the first main point I would hit on is the upsets because um, this is really, uh, I think, the most parity we've ever had in the NCAA tournament, at least. Um, a lot of parity. There, there is a stat uh, that I saw where the average seed in the Sweet 16 is the highest ever. It is 5.88. Uh, the average is normally 4.45, so definitely outperforming that. Uh, you have 15 seed or Roberts, who's made it to the Sweet 16. Um, the, the only the second one after Florida Gulf Coast in 2013. You also have, I believe, two 11 seeds: UCLA, Syracuse, um, and also Oregon State, who is still in the Sweet 16. So definitely um, a lot of teams that I know I did not expect uh, to make it to the Sweet 16. That's for sure. Um, so just looking through some interesting games here. Um, the first one I, I had to mention because it's one of the few that I got right um, in the first round, and that is the Ohio Bobcats defeating the Virginia Cavaliers. I was very happy to see this happen. Uh, shout out to Noah Bearson or, or Coach Noah. Big I know that he Coach was Noah. so excited uh, when his Ohio Bobcats got the dub. Just like I predicted on this podcast, I made a declaration. That's, again, one of the few things I was right about. It just seemed like, you know... And, and we saw this with Kansas, too. It seemed like the, the limited practice um, with, you know, one of their players in the past week testing positive kind of affected them. Kansas, they barely uh, got by Eastern Washington. And then last night uh, just got destroyed by uh, USC, 85-51. to 51. Pretty uh, not, not so great result there for Kansas. Kind of overwhelmed. Uh, some of the other interesting upsets we had, obviously, Oral Roberts beating Ohio State. Um, so most people would probably say that's the most surprising one. Um, I, I disagree. I'll get to the one that I think that was most surprising. But Oral Roberts, I mean, they have some talent. And it, I wish I kind of would have looked in into Oral Roberts more. I wish I would have watched more, uh, uh, more of the film from them. But they have two, two really talented players. Uh, you have Max Abemis and I believe Kevin, Kevin Ab. I can't even pronounce the last name. Um, but they have two really good players. Um, you know, in, in a lot of experience, and that's a good recipe there to to pull a big upset. So definitely um, a good one for Oral Roberts. They replicated that against Florida. But the biggest surprise for me was actually Abilene Christian defeating Texas. Um, I, I did not see this at all because, well, I picked Texas in my Final Four. I really believed in them. I, I know Ben, I don't think, quite as, uh, believed in them quite as much as I did, and Ben ended up being right on that one. Uh, but I, I just really like their guard play, and I kind of overlooked a little bit of the lack of shooting that, that Texas did show in some of the games. I just thought, you know, they have experienced guards, talented guards. Um, they have a good uh, front court man, Jericho Sims. I thought they were destined for a deep run, and that wasn't the case, you know. They couldn't make a lot of shots. Abilene Christian actually out-rebounded them, which was crazy because I think Abilene Christian is, like, on average, the shortest team in the tournament. They have a point guard um, who I think is, like, 5'7". Um, so mm -hmm. a crazy win for Abilene Christian. Wanted to mention that. Um, and then the third one uh, that really stood out before, I'm going to hand it over to uh, Ben, is, um, let's see, what's the biggest one? Uh, North Texas. I wanted to mention North Texas because... 
I considered picking North Texas. I really did. Um, I liked their the way they played in the championship game of their conference um, against Western Kentucky. They, they beat them, and then they just beat Purdue in overtime in that first game before falling to Villanova. But that's when I almost went through uh, but didn't end up uh, going through with that one. So, Ben, I just wanted to get some of your overall thoughts um, on the upsets. What, what were some of the biggest upsets that stood out to you or things you wanted to mention? Yeah, so and I told you guys this before the podcast. This is my this is my my thought process going into the into the NCAA tournament every year. I'm all for the anarchy. I want as much anarchy as possible. I want to see all these upsets, as many upsets as possible. I want to see um, because realistically, like it's more fun. I, it's fun to complain about how bad my bracket is because I mean, like it it it's it does, it's not the end of the world, right? Like it doesn't matter. It's just your bracket. It's not going to be perfect. So I want to see the upsets, and then again, it's fun to complain about you know the upsets I didn't I didn't pick or whatever. So. Um, I'm I'm all for the upsets. I, there are some people I've heard some people that are not too happy about all these upsets, and I get the reasoning. I guess the reasoning behind that would be that, and in the end, in the Final Four, ideally you want to have good teams, right? You don't want to have two 11 seeds in the Final Four. Yeah, it's a cool story, but the Final Four is a time when you want to see, you know, uh, a Baylor and an Ohio State play, or I guess that'd be yeah, a Baylor and Illinois play, right? Or a Gonzaga and a Michigan play, right? You don't want to necessarily see an 11 seed in the Final Four. I get that, but I'm all for the anarchy, um, and. I guess I'll start with one that you finished on, Trevor, North Texas and Purdue. I just think this is funny because literally like two weeks ago when, when uh, Trevor had the trivia question about Purdue winning the most regular season titles in Big Ten, and then I said something about how, like, yeah, they don't really seem to do a whole lot in the uh, in the tournament, and then right on cue they lose. They get bounced in the first round. Um, to a good North Texas team, represent Conference USA. Conference USA has had some good showings in the uh, in the tournament. So I'm really cool good with showings. that. Um, there's two more I want to talk about. Um, one that Trevor didn't mention, and – it's it's an upset. I'm not going to say it's not an upset, but it's Oregon State over Tennessee, um, and I and I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I'm hesitant to ever call a Power Five team a Cinderella. So like I'm not going to call a 12 seeded Oregon State in the in the Sweet 16 as a Cinderella team, just because I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but a Power Five team, you got the money, you got the resources, you should be able to be somewhat successful. Um, I'm not saying in the tournament, but just in general, you should be somewhat successful. So I have a hard time calling Oregon State a Cinderella team, but I will say. I've been very impressed with them. Not only, I mean, they beat Tennessee, and it seemed like they were up 15 points that whole game on Tennessee. They pretty much murdered them. Um, and anytime you can murder a team like that, especially when Rick Barnes is the coach, it's kind of impressive. And then they beat um, what a lot of people thought would be, you know, the star of the tournament in Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State. So shout out to Oregon State. Um, it, they've definitely had an impressive two games. I'm excited to see them against Loyola because I do think that'll be a good game. Um, I think Loyola is the better team, and obviously they're seated as the better team, but Oregon State's really hot right now. And again, I'm a big believer in you get hot at the right time, and it seems like they definitely got hot at the right time. Um, they won four games in the Pac-12 tournament. They've won two now. So it's definitely a cool story with Oregon State. Um, the last one, Trevor, you already talked about it, but if if somebody told me that this was not the most surprising upset, you're just wrong. Abilene Christian over Texas has to be the most surprising upset in this tournament. And honestly, if somebody tries to tell you, yeah, I knew that I saw that coming, they're lying. Okay, nobody saw it coming. You can put it in your bracket. You can guess it. But even if you fill out your bracket and you put Abilene Christian over Texas, you kind of have to think that it's not actually going to happen. Um, because, again, Texas was hot coming in. You guys said on our Selection Sunday podcast, you guys had a lot of faith in them. And I'm not arguing with you. I think they're a great team. I mean, I just felt like Alabama, in my opinion, was probably going to come out of that um, that region. I thought Alabama was the better team than Texas. But Texas is a good team. So them losing to Abilene Christian – um, is is a crazy is a crazy upset and the, you know, the game was awesome. Obviously, you have the dude I forget his name. He gets fouled at the end. He's a 58% free throw shooter. He knocks them uh, both in to win the game. Ice in his veins. So um, again, that's got to be the most surprising upset. If somebody tells you that otherwise, then they're just they're just lying because it's just not true. Abilene or Abilene Christian over Texas is an awesome story and it's a cool upset. It's everything that this tournament's about. So 
Um, again, I, I went on for a long time. I'm sorry, but those are those are just some of my thoughts on the upsets. And again, we've had a lot of them. Yeah, and Brandon, I'm curious to hear from you as well. What what is the either the game or maybe just some kind of storyline that has surprised you most about the tournament so far? So I actually have I have one one team that I was really impressed with, and one team that I'm not impressed with at all. Uh, the team I'm really really impressed with is honestly the Michigan Wolverines. I I really did not think they would beat OSU. To me, they seem like they're playing like the third or fourth best team in the tournament at the moment. I think Alabama's playing really... Obviously, Gonzaga and Baylor number one. But besides that, Loyola Chicago, I think, looks fabulous. I'm so impressed with them. And I obviously, they were way too low of a ranking. I mean, honestly, it doesn't even... Like, it seems like they should have been like a four or a five seed by how good they're playing. It's ridiculous how great they are. Should have just flipped them in Tennessee at this point. Um, the team that I'm really unimpressed with, I know some of you guys might not even know this, but they actually did technically make the tournament, is Michigan State. I mean, they were terrible the whole year. It's amazing they even made the tournament. Uh, and they lost to a UCLA team who is somehow in the Sweet 16. Um, but they, they lost to UCLA team. Uh, and I, I mean, they're just terrible. They're a terrible college, a terrible basketball program. You know, and it, that's what happens when you're, when you're, you know, just don't have a great team. You, you lose like that, and you lose like 16 games in a season. So not impressed with Michigan State. Um, at all, but uh, if all jokes aside, Louisville, Chicago, and Michigan to me are playing like two of the best teams in the nation, and it seems like to me if I if I had to make a prediction, Louisville, Chicago, I think has a really really good shot of making the Final Four, uh, which would just be amazing. It, it's going to be interesting to see in like three or four years how great Loyola Chicago is after this like couple year run of being really good in the tournament. You guys get what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're kind of like really making a name for themselves, similar in the way that uh, Wichita State did uh, back in the early 2010s, where, you know, they make that Final Four run initially, and then they they do it, they pretty much, I mean, they had another standout season, and now it's like their Wichita State is a name that everyone recognizes now, whereas... You know, back in I don't know 2007, probably people probably didn't really like Wichita State. Where like where where is Wichita? Like I like I don't know. But I, I think Loyola is kind of doing a similar thing here, where the, it's not just one time. Now they're in the Sweet 16. I think they have a great chance to get to the Final Four again, uh, which would really establish that. Um, so, you know, a couple other games I wanted to get into. Just a few of my favorite games so far of the tournament. I think the first one um, would have to be the the first game. Uh, Virginia Tech and Florida, just because, you know, I, I was at work, um, but I did catch the end of this. So I didn't see the whole game, right? So, but I did see the last few minutes. Um, we had uh, a, a game tying shot by Virginia Tech to force it in overtime, and then Florida ended up coming on top. But this was a very uh, highly contested game, uh, very competitive. And you had one of the bigger shots we've seen in the tournament. One of the things that we've lacked is we really haven't gotten... I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't have a count of the buzzer beaters, but I, I, th- I think I only remember one. I think the Virginia Tech one was a buzzer beater. And um, I'm not sure yeah. if anyone wants to tell them, if, if you know, Ben, I think there's only one. I think it's it. Um, yeah. So that's just one thing. I'm, I'm not here to complain. The tournament's been awesome, but that's one thing we were lacking. But that game, for that reason, I think was one of the best... Um, looking through here and seeing some of the other ones, um, I mean, Syracuse-West Virginia ended up being a really good game. Not the greatest for, for as a West Virginia fan, but I got to say, like, if I step back and, like, put myself in the shoes of a neutral fan, like, the Syracuse-West Virginia game ended up being awesome because Syracuse had the early lead 
Um, they were shooting so well. I mean, Buddy Beheim, he proved me wrong. I, I'll admit it, Ben. I know. He proved me wrong. Um, and then you had that uh, Gerard, who was also hitting some threes. Um, you have, uh, I think his name was Garrier, who really impressed me. I didn't really know much a lot about him, but he impressed me. He's blocking a couple shots. He's, you know, making some good uh, rolls for easy buckets, doing a lot of different stuff. So Syracuse has really impressed me. Obviously, uh, we, we can't be too surprised here about Syracuse. They've done this before. We've seen this movie. Uh, in 2016 when they were, I think, a 10 seed in that one, when they went all the way, beat Virginia before getting to the Final Four and losing to North Carolina. But that team had, uh, um, I, I think that team was definitely built different, but the one thing that remains consistent is, well, actually two things, Jim Beheim and the zone defense. Those are the two things that remain consistent. And I know there, there have been a couple articles. I've at least, like, read a few details about, like, uh, I think I think a couple people looked into it like why is it so hard to beat the zone and it, it's definitely interesting like if you don't prepare for it if you're not one of these ACC teams that you know has to put a lot of time into preparing for the zone and it's just like you know you're in the tournament and you're like West Virginia you only have like a day or two it, it's going to be much harder you know your players who have never played Syracuse before are going to have a lot tougher of time than you know a lot of these ACC times who AC teams who play them twice a year, every year. So I think that's part of it. Um, and then, and then also just like, they've been shooting very well. Like that, I mean, that's one of the biggest things in the tournament. It's just, sometimes it's about what team gets hot at the right time. It's, it's not always who is the best team. Obviously this is a single elimination tournament. Uh, that's the fun of March madness. You never know, uh, who's going to get hot at the right time. We've, we've seen that with Syracuse, uh, Oregon state, another big one. So, I wanted to mention that, um, but I think that, you know, just for the best games, I think that's about it. Um, we can kind of get into talking about our brackets. Um, I know for yeah. one, mine is horrible. I only have one Final Four team left, and that is Gonzaga. But uh, Brandon, uh, our bracket challenge so far, what, what are some of your thoughts? How do you like your chances? Uh, I don't like my chances at all. I am in 14th place out of 16, technically. Um, so doing pretty, pretty terrible. I do want to give a shout out to, to Greg. And honestly, what, what, what is Benny's first name? Jacob, Jake. Jake, shout out to Greg and, and Jake. Uh, they are leading our bracket challenge, 97.5 percentile. They have 410 points. It is likely one of those two win. However, I got to slow the roll because I have all four final four teams still active. I believe I am the only person that have that. There's only one or two others that I think could potentially have it, but I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who has uh, all four left. Um, and I don't like my chances at all. You know, this, this bracket right now, I have like the little ice logo next to my bracket. Yeah, you're cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, 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 it's, it's really, really bad. Uh, I'm not doing well in that aspect in the slightest bit, so I'm not liking my chances at all. Yeah, and the only uh, the only thing though, I, I think you are underselling your chances here. I think you actually have a really great chance, um, just because like you know they have you have when you look at uh, the bracket challenge. Anyone else who's listening to this that's played a bracket, if you're looking at the app, uh, you'll see like you have like the points total, but then you'll have like the max like potential of the points you can get. And Brandon, I believe, actually has the third highest. Um, so to me, he's a great chance. Um, I know that I have no shot. Uh, Ben, I, I think you, you have a better shot than I do, but what, what do you think about your bracket? How, how are you feeling, Ben? 
I mean, and here's the thing. When when I got the very first game of the tournament wrong, when I got Virginia Tech and Florida wrong, I, it's just, I just had a bad feeling about it. I just I had a bad feeling about it. I really wanted Virginia Tech to win that game. Just start off on a good note, and I got that game wrong. And immediately I'm like, there goes my million-dollar perfect bracket. Like, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, and again, I, I, I usually don't pick a whole lot of upsets. I picked a lot of upsets this year. Um, and I just didn't pick a lot of the right ones. I mean, I picked Villanova to lose to Winthrop. That didn't happen. I'll never have faith in Pat Kelsey or anybody that ever graduated from Xavier ever again. Um, I mean, <laughs> UCSB was you know a, a little hook shot in and out. They almost they won. Have I won. had that one they done. I had that one on my bracket. I really thought that was going to happen. Obviously, I, I got the OU one right, but a lot of people got the OU one right. Shout out to the MAC. Um, shout out to Noah Barrison. Um, I I just I, it's not a good Coach bracket. Noah. Yeah, it's it's not a good bracket. I I don't like I don't like my bracket. Obviously, I, I mean I went with Gonzaga to win the whole thing, but so did half the people in this in this challenge. So, um, I got three out of four Final Four teams left. I got like five out of eight Elite Eight teams left. Um, but I just I don't have a whole lot of faith. I I don't have Michigan in my Final Four, and at the moment it seems like they might make the Final Four. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to win. I'm not worried about winning or anything, but I do want to beat Brandon. My goal would to beat Brandon would be to beat Brandon. Um, so th- that, that'd be the championship for me. If I can somehow, you know, finish higher than Brandon, then that will be uh, equivalent to me winning this. Cause that's really all I'm asking for at this point. I will say Brandon though, if you got Houston in your final four, I was high on them. And even on the podcast a couple weeks ago, I was really high on them after watching them play these two games, especially against Rutgers. Um, I'm not impressed with Houston. I, I do not think they'll make the Final Four. I really was high on them. I thought they were legit. I watched them a couple times, and I really don't have a whole lot of faith that Houston can make the Final Four, Brandon. So if you're if you're banking on Houston making the Final Four, um, I wouldn't say that's the best position to be in. That's what he's doing. Hey, it's 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 what I'm doing. I'm banking on Houston. Quentin Grimes just got to <laughs> put it in the hole, and we'll, we'll win. Me and you, Quentin, we'll both win. Yeah, definitely. Um. Trevor, anything else you want to add up before we finish this podcast? Yeah, so I think the final thing I want to do is just go through, you know, some of the games, you know, looking forward to this weekend. So we have uh, the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight coming up. Um, And and I'll just go through uh, some of them quickly. We have Gonzaga, Creighton. Uh, To me, I think this can be a blowout, honestly. I've been wrong a lot, so it could easily be close, but I I don't see any way that Creighton wins this game. I just think, you know, Gonzaga has too much talent. I haven't had a lot of faith in Creighton uh, all year. They look decent against OU, but at the end of the day, I, I feel like uh, Gonzaga is just going to outmatch them. You got USC Oregon, Pac-12 matchup. I'm really interested to see that one. You have uh, Evan Mobley and Isaiah Mobley, who, by the way, like all the draft talk um, has been about Evan Mobley, but what, what about his brother? I think people need to be talking a little bit more about his brother Isaiah Mobley. Um, you know, he was hitting some shots. I believe he's 6'10", and he was like, he had some handles. He was hitting shots, making nice passes. He was doing a little bit of everything against Kansas. So I'm excited to see that game. I think that one's a little bit of a toss-up. I think I have USC in my Elite Eight. Uh, one of the few things I've gotten right, um, but we'll see. Michigan, Florida State. Um, Michigan, like you said, Brandon, um, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to blow up your head too much, but Michigan did look really good. Yes, they don't have Isaiah Livers, but they still have a lot of depth, as you mentioned. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, he's a tough matchup for anyone. And Florida State, they do have some great athletes. They have a lot of talent, um, but I think it's going to be tough to overcome uh, uh, Michigan in that one. Then you have UCLA, Alabama, and UCLA. I haven't watched a lot of UCLA, but UCLA has been extremely impressive to me. Um, in tournament so far, but Bama also has been uh, really impressive against Maryland last night. Uh, just watching them when they would get turnovers and on the break, 
you know, they, they just really gotten a, a nice rhythm where they're uh, sharing the ball super well, hitting a lot of threes. They're also a very athletic team. Javon Quinterly, you know, really has kind of found his groove with this Alabama team, um, which is just crazy to look back to where he was a couple years ago when he got to Villanova. Um, so, so good for J- Javon Quinterly and the Alabama team of Nate Oates, of, of course. Um, you know, on the, so on the other side, we got Baylor Villanova. You know, that's going to be an interesting one. I think Oral Roberts' shot is finally coming to an end. And then in the Midwest, you know, we got a 12 seed, an 11 seed, and an 8 seed. Um, personally, I think Loyola Chicago or Syracuse will be the team that comes out of this. Um, you know, so I, I guess I guess for my final four picks, I think it will be some chalk. My picks as of now would be Gonzaga, Alabama, Baylor, and Loyola. Those would be my final four picks. Um, but but again, I've been wrong a lot. I'll probably be wrong a lot more times. Uh, ben, do you have any um, maybe predictions you want to make regarding the final four or maybe a game you're most looking forward to? So I'll say this, and Trevor, I would have the same final four as you. If I had to pick right now, I would go Baylor, I would go Alabama, I'd go um, Gonzaga, and I would go... Uh, who's in the bottom? Loyola. 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 Yeah, I would go those four. I completely agree with you, Trevor. If I had to pick right now, I'd go those four. Um, but I, again, I don't know. Like, it's I'm excited. I am excited, and um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good matchups. I will say, shout out to the Pac-12. I mean, I've been saying all year, Trevor. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how. Remember, we were asked like if we had to pick Big Twelve, uh, Big Ten, we picked Big Twelve. We should have given the Pac-12 some uh, some respect. We disrespected them a little bit. Haven't said one thing about the Pac-12 all all year, and they got they got what like four teams in the Elite Eight. So four. shout out to Pac-12. Yeah. Shout out to Mick Croner from Cincinnati. Um, he's got his UCLA Bruins in in the uh, Sweet 16. I will say that looking at the last however, I guess 15 games of this tournament, there's really only two outcomes that I that I want to see. Only two outcomes I want to see. I want to see a championship game of either Gonzaga or Baylor. I think all year that's been the ideal championship game. You could have asked us in December, and we would have said the same thing we're saying now on March 23rd. Gonzaga-Baylor is probably the most ideal championship game. If that's not going to happen, I'd love to see a Gonzaga-Loyola. And then part of that is just I, I want to see Gonzaga in there because they've been the best team all year. I'd love to see them try to go for perfection. And I'd love to see Loyola in there because watching them play Illinois, it's probably been my favorite game of this tournament. And again, I mean, Loyola was up like 10, 15 points the whole game. It wasn't necessarily close. But Loyola is fun to watch. They play awesome basketball, offensively and defensively. They're so fun to watch. Um, it, it's just been a cool story with you know them a couple years ago, and they're kind of back, and they've got this great team this year. So again, I I I, I don't I don't know if it's gonna happen. I have no idea. But if you had to ask me, my ideal championship game would either be Gonzaga Baylor or it'd be Gonzaga Loyola. So hopefully, I can manifest one of those outcomes to happen. Basically, what I'm saying, Brandon, I'll let you finish this up. Basically, what I'm saying is I just don't want to see Juwan Howard in the, in the uh, championship game. I can't do it. I can't see more of Juwan Howard. I can't do it. I've seen a lot of him already. I'm sick of it. Um, I, I can't afford to have Juwan Howard in Michigan win a championship the year before they're even supposed to win the championship because I can't afford – what I can't have happen, Brendan, this is my biggest fear, is that they win it this year. Then all of a sudden we, they come back next year. They got the number one recruiting class. They got all these studs on their team. And it's like – they're like Gonzaga this year. It's like great. Michigan won last year, and they're going to roll through it this year. So – that's my biggest fear. I hope that doesn't happen. But, you know, Brandon, maybe you can agree with me. Maybe you'll disagree with me. I don't know. But that's those are my thoughts. So I, I don't see them winning this year. I, I, I don't think they, they quite are going to be able to compete with Gonzaga or Baylor. Um, but you know what? I'm going to take the 3-1 seeds and Loyola in my final four. I'm changing it from Alabama. This is my Sweet 16 
style prediction. I'll give a completely different one after the Sweet 16. But for now, that's who I'll have in the Final Four. I'll take the 3-1 seeds. Alabama's hot, though. I, I, I think Alabama has more than a good enough shot to beat Michigan. That, that would be a fun game if both those teams win. Uh, anything else you guys like to add before we kind of wrap up the pod for today? Uh, I think that's about it. You know, it's been a fun tournament so far. Yeah. Hopefully we get maybe a couple buzzer beaters in there. But, yeah, it's, it's been fun. Yeah, No, it's it's been we'll awesome. It's been cool to see March Madness. We've missed it for two years, so it's been awesome to see it these last four days. Yep. For sure. 100%. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. Of course, you know, if you're in the bracket challenge, keep on following it. Hopefully I beat Ben and beat all of you guys, but, you know, we'll have to see. Um, thanks again, all the support. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it. Of course, follow us on Twitter at the Small Baller, or the link is in the description. So you know when all of our podcasts go live, uh, we will have Will and Josh out uh, Thursday now, which I guess this is going to be kind of soon, back to back, and then we will be back Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time um, for the Small Baller podcast. But with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.